Hello, old and new listeners. Several years ago, I met this really attractive man while visiting a friend. Turns out the attraction was mutual. Within 24 hours, he had followed me on Instagram and Twitter, subscribed to my blog and was sending me like 10 text messages in a single day, leaving thoughtful comments on my blog, liking my old Instagram pictures. All this after we may have exchanged like a few sentences in those 24 hours in person, that too while hanging out with a whole lot of friends. Within a week, I knew personal details of his life. Details like he and his father didn't quite get along. His sister needed my help in finding a job and that sister, by the way, is a clinical psychologist and I'm a content writer. I don't know how I was supposed to help her. Anyway, he was sharing details like the first ever track that he composed on his Yamaha, his first crush, his first relationship. His best friend was a graphic designer, but he asked me to design a newsletter he was sending out on Canva. Each time I found his questions or his cries for help odd, he had a legitimate reason. I have lost track of how much he had shared in that short period of time. I remember once in one single day, he had emailed me all the music he had ever composed since he was a teen. I would wake up with my text beep with his name flashing on my screen. And he was my last chat on Instagram every night. If he got a new haircut, he would send me a picture. If he was having coffee at a cafe or at his workplace, he would send me a picture of the coffee. He used to hate dogs, but he would send me cute dog videos all the time because I loved dogs. When nothing else was up, he would randomly pick one of my old Instagram pictures, like it or send it to me and start chatting about it. I was soon overwhelmed by the amount of attention I was getting, that too without soliciting. What was happening? Was he pursuing me like stage one? He was also quite probing. Why are you single? Hey, I know your nickname now. It's cute. Why do you like dogs? What's your favorite cafe? What's your biggest fear? What kind of people do you like? He even sent me some really good dating and relationship blogs. This is the usual stuff I've seen people doing when they really want to know somebody really well. But here was something peculiar. All this was not happening in person. It was happening via chat messaging. And I was like, well, I know quite a few of my friends who started like that. Chat messages led to phone calls, led to video calling, led to in-person meetings. So I was like, okay, stage one maybe. Two months passed by, but he did not even for once ask me out. I noticed that he organized some sometimes, you know, in-person group gatherings just so he could meet me and he found ways to corner me but never really asked me out. I don't want to start about his body language when he talked to me, you know, in person because that would be like a long analysis and that too from an amateur so I'm not getting into it. But this was confusing. I turned to some of my best male friends who could give me some insight into a guy's mind. They all told me the same thing. Listen, in India, men are shy. And so he's just too scared to ask you out. The only way you can find out is if you ask him why he is opening up so much right in front of you. One day, I asked him why he was so comfortable with me. 
so comfortable that he had shared some really intimate details of his life, his selfies, his fears, weaknesses, frustrations, you name it. Guess what he said? I don't know. Yep, that's what he said. I don't know. On top of that, he promptly apologized saying if he did something wrong, he was sorry about it. If he did something wrong. I told him that all this texting was kind of peculiar and he needs to stop unless he had any clear intentions with me. He did stop for a few months. And then he was back again. More on that part later. But the reason why I shared this story today is because what this guy was doing is not only quite common. It actually has a proper term in the dating world and it's called love bombing. Today, we will explore some really weird but common practices in the 21st century dating and we will discuss some ways to avoid being a victim of these malpractices. All this coming up in a while. Hello and welcome to Method to Madness. Today, things have got personal and I have mustered up the courage to share a personal story or you can say personal mishap. While probing as to why I even got myself into what's what can be called a situationship, it's because all around me, I had many friends who were virtually dating. Many of them actually got into serious relationships after a considerable amount of texting or calling and some even got married. I just assumed this was the new way to pursue somebody. But some major lessons that I learned from this weird experience have saved me from several other confusions in life. For instance, I realized that attention and intention are two very different things. Even when somebody is showering so much affection on you romantically, be it via text messaging or meeting in person, but this person has not shown a clear intention about where this affection is going, it means this is going nowhere and this person isn't sure about you. I also learned that it's okay to take control and ask somebody upfront what their intentions are. In the past, I've gotten myself into weird dilemmas like, oh, I will ruin a good friendship. Or what will my friend say? Or what will he think about me if I asked him about his intentions directly? I'm a millennial and I know many of you listeners are Gen Zs. So if you're aware of some of the terms that I'm going to discuss today, well, pardon me for not knowing these terms earlier. These terms may be new, but sadly human behavior and its consequences are still quite similar. Let's get into it now. Love bombing sounds pretty clear from the name itself, but here's what some woke dating and relationship blogs are defining it. Love bombing, and I quote, is a manipulative tactic often used by individuals such as narcissists or abusers to gain control over their target. The perpetrator may use various tactics such as constantly sending messages, buying gifts, making grand romantic gestures and making the target feel like they are the center of their world. This can lead the target to feel flattered, loved and desired, which can make it difficult for them to recognize the perpetrator's abusive behavior. Goodness me, that sounds so much like a serial killer profile, what do you think? But the fact is, I've experienced it and many of my friends have too. So this really happens. Another similar malpractice is called breadcrumbing. Have you ever heard this old German folktale called Hansel and Gretel? It's actually a story about two siblings. 
So breadcrumbing comes from that story. As the name suggests, one person just serves another person breadcrumbs of attention to keep them interested and instead of, you know, keeping things clearly on the table. So this person makes the other person believe that he or she likes them in the form of occasional text messaging or calls and general social media attention. It's just enough engagement to keep someone interested but ultimately unsatisfied. And breadcrumbing leaves us confused. Some of my experienced friends tell me that people, both men and women, indulge in love bombing or breadcrumbing as a way to keep their options open. That means they may be doing this to more than one person at the same time. Whoa. This revelation honestly had me shook because, I mean, in case of love bombing and you're doing this to more than one person, you need so much energy to pour all that emotion into one person. It must be exhausting. How do people have time for love bombing like many people at the same time? During my journalism days, I interviewed this person who's what's called in the dating world, a player. And I'm sorry, I'm using all these dating terms, but the whole episode is really all about that. So, so this player, and he was a self-proclaimed player. And he also claims that he quit all his playing tendencies after two years. He gave me some peculiar dating advice. He said, you really have to keep talking and keep giving attention to a lot of people, as in romantically, and then shortlist them to see what who suits you the best. The picture that instantly came to my mind was when I would pick up several types of pants at an H&M store. I would go to the dressing room and try them one by one. Sometimes none of them would fit me well. Other times, two of them would fit me so well, I had difficulty deciding which one to buy. Personally, I don't want to be in a situation where I would have to choose which one of the two guys is better for me as long as it was in my control. I honestly only have the energy to pour all my romantic attention to one person at a time. And if that makes me old-fashioned, be it. But hey, this is not a place to judge anyone. I go by the maxim, to each his own. We all are allowed to make our own choices when it comes to dating and relationships. I'm just stating my own stand here. However, I do want to share some vital lessons that I've learned in order to avoid being love-bombed or breadcrumbs. All this in a while. Welcome back. We're discussing dating and relationships and some malpractices in that world. So here are some practical things that you can do. Number one, take things slow. If someone is trying to rush a relationship or make grand gestures too soon, it may be a sign of love bombing. Take your own time to process all this. I know this is easier said than done, but sometimes just the awareness of taking things slow can save us from a lot of trouble. Number two, trust your instincts. If something doesn't feel right or seems too good to be true, it may be a sign of love bombing or breadcrumbing. Trust your gut instincts and be cautious. Remember, embrace yourself for this one. If something is too good to be true, it is most likely not true. Number three, set healthy boundaries. Be clear about your boundaries and stick to them. Don't let someone push you into doing things you're not comfortable with and be assertive about your needs and desires. 
Now, I know in many cultures, setting boundaries can be tricky. And since a major chunk of our communication happens these days through online messaging, it can be trickier. I will elaborate on this later on in this episode. Beware of red flags. Watch out for warning signs such as extreme flattery, constant attention, too much texting, possessiveness, stiff or conscious body language while meeting in person, or signs of jealousy. Number five, take time for self-care. Take care of yourself emotionally and physically. This means your worth and validation should not be dependent on this new person. So to practice this, you may engage in activities that make you feel good about yourself. Personally, I paint on the weekends and I try to keep my brain busy, especially when I'm crushing on someone and this crush is, you know, one-sided. But most importantly, my worth and validation come from the living God, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm aware that Jesus loves me no matter what and I'm content in that knowledge. You can try Jesus too. Number six, seek support. I cannot stress this enough. Whenever I'm confused about a romantic situation, I reach out to a handful of these amazing women who I get to call my friends. Once while talking to one of these friends, she told me a whole story about how she dated a person for good two years. And when he got a job in another city, he was suddenly not sure of her. It left her heartbroken but taught her a great lesson of communicating expectations in a relationship. So if you feel like you're being love-bombed or breadcrumbed, seek support from friends, family or even a professional. They can provide a different perspective you know, like a different vantage point. And they can help you recognize unhealthy patterns about either this person or this relationship. Now, about setting boundaries. We all know setting boundaries is important and yet we often fail to practice it. I know I have personally struggled in this area big time. I will now go back to this real-life story I shared with you in the beginning of this episode. When I communicated boundaries to this person, he followed it for a few months. He went from 10 text messages in one day to zero for the next few months, which was great. I was at peace. I thought, okay, if I, I got rid of someone who was neither pursuing me nor being a sincere friend to me, so that's good. But then because we had a lot, we had a common friend circle, I once ended up communicating to him a message related to some friends. He took that as an invitation and began his love bombing again. I had like a major face palm moment. I tackled him this time with not replying to his messages. He resorted to posing like he was in need of help. And I could tell he touched upon subjects that were really dear to me. And so I would end up replying. Even though I was guarded, he succeeded in at least getting my attention occasionally. He was smarter than I thought, obviously. In the course of the next few months, I just kept reasserting my boundaries. I think the only reason I didn't straight up block him or stopped all the communication with him was because we had so many common good friends and I didn't want to appear like a total loser before them. I was like really scared of all this at the time. I couldn't share any of this with them out of shame because despite my boundaries, this person was constantly defying them. Thank God. I got over even that social convention eventually and mustered up the strength to block him one day. Because he was constantly defying my boundaries. I avoided the gatherings where he was coming. I straight up avoided him when I bumped him, bumped into him uh, in one of them. I was ready to face anyone who would ask me any questions about this man. To my surprise, 
nobody did ouch but what was all this about when i reached out to my female friends i heard stories after stories of how they too had come across a few people in their lives people who kept defying their boundaries what was happening we all concluded that these people were not the usual people they most likely had narcissistic tendencies with no respect for our worth or needs here's a little challenge in drawing boundaries we find it much easier to draw boundaries with people who blatantly defy them because at first they don't know what's allowed it is quite another matter when they don't blatantly cross a boundary but just tiptoe around it to explain this further i want to quote this amazing monologue in the series called i may destroy you this is a story of a girl who fell victim to the rape drug in a nightly bar and the aftermath of that night the protagonist arabella is played by michaela cole in one particular episode there's this therapy session where a bunch of people are sitting in a circle and one of the women is sharing about the challenge of drawing boundaries with this particular particular guy called bob Arabella beautifully describes how some people can be smart about defying boundaries. This is what she says about this guy and I quote He is very confident in his view because he has gone exploring to see for himself what boundaries and violations these women might be banging on because Bob's thorough. And in these explorations Bob found a line that separated him from everything else. rather than crossing it he tiptoed on it you can hear the entire monologue from the link in my show notes so yeah sometimes it is even harder to see if a person has defied your boundaries because he or she may not com- may not have completely defied but just tiptoed on it so you're not 100% sure you're like did he cross it or not i have seen this happen particularly in virtual conversations It is so easy to hide behind the screen without facing anybody face to face and do whatever you want or say whatever you want. Coming back to my personal story, I don't think the details that this man shared with me were some details that he would have the courage to share with me face to face. Over a text message, it was much easier. And yet, considering that these days probably 80% of our conversations are happening virtually, even this tendency of oversharing should not ideally be tolerated and should be subject to boundaries. The only suggestion I have for you about tricky people who tiptoe on your boundaries is to take even the slightest feeling of confusion seriously and confront them. This is exactly what I did the next time around and I saved myself from quite a few confusions. That's all I have for you today. There's of course a ton of other malpractices in the dating world such as ghosting, orbiting, submarining, etc. But I discussed love bombing and breadcrumbing. because i felt these are the most destructive and something that i have some experience with in my final thoughts i want to leave you with a bit of soul searching kind of questions today let us evaluate ourselves and ask these questions do i want to be a source of confusion for anyone around me do i want to be a person who would leave a negative impact on somebody just because i am not sure what i was feeling Am I using someone to explore my own feelings or orientation? Am I a perpetrator of any of the dating malpractices? And what can I do to never do that to anybody? In the next few episodes, I want to explore topics about breakups and self-worth 
topics like the art of listening well or how to be a good public speaker and a whole bunch of interesting topics thank you for your topic suggestions so far if you like this episode please leave a rating so i can continue to share some experiences with you see you next wednesday until then stay fit and stay curious